being more inclusive early is a key factor to make the planning process more democratic. Thank you so much for listening to Urbanistica podcast. I am Mustafa Sharif, an urban planner, and you're more than welcome to join my big journey of exploring the making of smarter and more livable cities. Don't forget to follow Instagram account to see the stories behind the scenes and also subscribe the YouTube channel to see the live talks. Let's get in touch on LinkedIn. Share your reflections with us with Urbanistica community. Recommend the podcast to people you think are interested in Urbanistica topics. Are you ready for a new episode? Let's go for it. pleasure to welcome Carl to Urbanistica podcast. Hey and welcome. Hello, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing great despite the circumstances in society at large, but we uh, we're good. Feels strange to be working home for 6 months. Is it boring? In the beginning it was okay, but as now all I want to do is redo the room I'm sitting in. We are lucky enough to have a little guest room at, at our house, so I've been sitting there, but I want to repaint it. I want to redo the floors. I want to do everything because I'm so <laughs> bored of it. And it's like, ah, uh, it's starting to tear yeah. on my psychic. <laughs> <laughs> How was your summer vacation? The summer was great. Uh, even though reluctantly we bought a car. I've been anti-car owner my entire life. Uh, I have like used uh, carpools and stuff like that when we need it. And then we'd had a bad experience over midsummer when the car we had rented through a carpool didn't work and everything. So I got so tired of it. Uh, yeah. And then with Corona and the travel restrictions, they were like, okay, if we want to do anything this summer, let's just buy a car. Mm. So we bought a used car. It's not the most modern, so it's not best friendly mm. car, but it's a car. So with that car, we drove around, saw family and did enjoy things. So we had a good summer at all, after all. That's awesome. So you, now you're full charged for a new season. Yeah, I hope so. But this working home drains it a little bit. You know, it's like it's it's hard on the psychic to not see your colleagues. Um, it's a totally different working climate. Yeah. And that it's a big downside with how it is, even though I feel it pretty good to work at home. We have it. My, my boss was very quick with everything else. Bring home the equipment, uh, double screens and everything needed, you know, like get it home. And with that at home. I have a feeling like I saw, I read somewhere on social media that someone said in the beginning of this Corona, we, uh, we worked at home, but now we'll live at our work oh, because yeah, we've yeah. been doing it so long, so much. So it's like, I feel a little bit like that. Mm-mm. And it's not really from eight to five, right? No, it's like um, maybe eight thirty after the kids are at preschool and then pick them up and we entertain them and then we put them to bed and then it's like <laughs> back a little bit to work after that. So that's hard. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. So you are our storyteller for this episode. How would you like to introduce yourself and please tell us about your passion? Well, I'm an urban planner working here in Sweden. Uh, I've been working for 10 years as of this year. Um, I grew up out on the countryside in southern Sweden, moved up to Stockholm, had a late teenager revolt against my parents, sort of ended up in Stockholm, realized how good it was to live up on the countryside in Skåne. Um, and then did some military service abroad. I've been in Kosovo and Afghanistan uh, with the military, but 
while being in the military, I found out about this um, school of planning something in Sweden. <laughs> I had a friend who started it. Like, okay, I can do that. But so, yeah, I don't know. I'm how I want to present myself. Ten-year planner. I love what I do. I love the job. It's the most amazing work type of work ever to work with people about the physical structure around us. It's amazing. So yeah, I don't know if that says a lot about me. I'm 40 years old. Uh, have a family, two kids. What is your passion? My passion has developed. When I think about it out of a work perspective, my passion is sustainability and children in a way. Um, I say it in a way because it, like, it fluctuates. It's different. I mean, like I feel like sustainability is so important. And when we work with planning and building and what type of cities we create and societies we need to look from the sustainability perspective and then within that frame of what is ecologically sustainable can we do to make a better society within that and not like just like the finances mm. be the ruler or what we follow and then also as the parents of two kids you know that perspective have grown a lot to me how i look on a city today is so much different than yeah. what i did five years ago now i wonder where are the playgrounds where are the like all those things when yeah. i was five years old i was like yeah it's good with playgrounds i never used them so it's like that has shifted so that's why they like i like like it has shifted more and more to children also and now how they move around our oldest is five years old she's biking you know it's like then it comes more into how can we move around in the city in a yeah. safe way for yeah. them you know so it's like it's it's shifted like that but i love it very interesting yeah so today we're going to talk about detailed development plan, which is uh, here in Sweden, it's like a really big deal. It is. Um, I also call them like only zoning plans. Uh, but when we're working with this, it's, it's a typical tool for municipalities in Sweden on how to regulate the land use. And it exists in so many countries, but also in so many different ways. In Sweden, it's a little bit unique, and there are in some other countries too, where the municipalities have monopoly on deciding what to zone land with, what type of usage. And it's not just up to the landowner to propose something. So that's really an interesting factor in all this when we talk about the detailed development plans in Sweden, that we have that basic context that, okay, it's municipalities who decide it, and the ones who control the municipalities are politicians. Yeah. So that's also like a, a little factor in that that can really affect it. Yeah. But is this something new on in the planning process here in Sweden or this is something I've been a long time ago? I don't really actually know the origin of it. We have the Building and Planning Act, the the PBL that we work with, Planobyglagen, and it's been around for many, many years. Uh, before that, we have Byggnadsstadga. I mean, like it goes way back in, in history in Sweden. I think it also comes from... Swedish history as a society to be very organized. If you go way, way back to when we were ruled by kings and in the sense that they had direct power and we were out of wars and they needed to draft people to be, to be in the armies and stuff like that. They wanted, they wanted order and control of yeah. everything. You know? So it's like in that sense it built up and then that transformed to the Swedish bureaucracy that has many pros and some cons as I see it. But the building, Planning and Building Act is a part of that system. Mm-hmm. And so can you share with us the different steps for making creating a detailed development plan? exactly and, and um, it starts often with that a property owner has an idea of some sort or sometimes it's that or sometimes it's a municipality who has an idea about what we can do uh 
the origin is also municipal master plans where you can see the guide like the initiatives and the will of the municipality on a master level for the entire municipality and through that the municipalities often can initiate if they own the land like okay here we want to do something we want to initiate a process of building housing or whatever they feel like or or we have a private property owner who, who owns a property mm. and maybe want to change the use of it but okay today it's uh, offices i want to build housing instead or vice versa so the first of it that they contact the municipality to be like okay hey we want to do this and the municipality can take receive the application and be yeah like, okay let's look at this and they do a first assessment of it about is this good or not yes we feel like this is possible to try in a process and then then they we start process by starting up it's like three major phases in the work they can be four actually but normally it's three phases it's the first public hearing called samrod samrodsfasen in swedish and then we have granskning like the second public hearing when we revise the proposal and then final approval sometimes sometimes there is also a planning planning program initiated in the beginning if mm. there are like a larger area you need to like okay wait what is affecting this area what can we do here you have outer factors you need to get a grip of first then you can do also a little program in in, in first there but the first step the summer the first public hearing phase some roads fasten it's it can be different long depending on the circumstances because there is a lot of different questions that we need to examine for example if it is a cultural environment if it is pollution in the ground from previous usage if it is how is uh, uh, the geology in the area is it, is it stable enough yeah. to build here all those different factors can be good to initiate in the beginning mm. and we need to have an assessment of the proposed buildings to say okay what does the, the property owner want to do here what does it look like the city architect can be included in this to see like okay is this like what the city wants to strive in its public space because always when we come back to it yes the development that happens on the private property but the facade of the ha- buildings are out in the public so it's like vice it's like yeah two sides there that needs to be in balance and then the city want to be like how is the public space and how are the buildings communicating with that and interacting with it and after that during this uh, first phase also the public and government agencies and so on have the possibility to send in their opinions you publish the pro- proposal or the public during about three, four weeks. Here it depends also, because the municipalities act differently. They take a political decision to start the, the, uh, the project with a, with a zoning plan, uh, the detailed development plan. They take a political decision there. And then they're, by the law, only need to take actually a political decision to approve it. But in there, in between, some municipalities act differently. Some municipalities have a political decision to go out on the public hearing, or not so it's like it difference today, yeah today i work as a consultant and that's interesting in the sense that i work towards many municipalities at the same time and they're all different it's a little bit crazy yeah because like okay which municipality am i right now in this project then we do this <laughs> process and now now i'm this municipality then we do it like this so it shifts but during that public hearing phase you often have a public meeting about the project and invite uh, neighbors to the area or and the public to come ask questions um questions about the proposal about the proposal and here it's often this is also one of the challenges with zoning planning because the politicians have said yes to try because when we present that in the beginning we present like okay this property owner wants to try to see if we can build houses here and the politicians look at it and say okay yes we should try that 
meaning that they have already set the boundaries of what the project is going to be. It's going to be housing. Yeah. Then it's the, the politicians often don't say, yeah, let's try housing and a park. Mm. They don't own the land. It's a private landowner. So it's like the frame, the outer scope of the zoning plan has already been decided. So it's more discussion there about how is the scale? How does it like the details? The details. Often, though, the reactions is by neighbors like, no, we don't want it. A very common expression in the planning world is NIMBY. Not like like, like the entire proposal or some part? It, it differs. Sometimes, uh, sometimes it can be the entire proposal. Some people don't want to, ha- want to have new neighbors. They, often I've heard that, oh yes, we have a housing shortage, but we can build them somewhere else. Okay. Um, but sometimes it's also just details. Oh, I think that the houses shouldn't be in this type of color. Or something like that. I've I've had projects with that type of uh, comments. comments yeah, yeah and, th- and that's like that's a comment we can take into the project and really work with. But if it's like the alternative is maybe not to stop the project, we can't fulfill your opinions about stopping the project. Just because, yeah, yeah, because we have this initiative from the politician that we're gonna do a zoning plan about this type of use. Can people comment everything, or what is the the limit? They can comment on everything, uh, but also the and this is challenge in this sense that everything is not controlled by the zoning plan. Often you can get comments on facade color, but sometimes the zoning plan isn't regulating that. So it's it's very tricky in that sense that here in Sweden, our legislation says that a zoning plan is not supposed to be more detailed than what is needed to the purpose of the plan. If the purpose of the plan is to make it possible to build a five-story house apartment building. And it just says that. Then we have that. That's the guidelines. We shouldn't regulate more than a, make it possible for a five-story building. But for example, if a project is located in a very em- cultural environment, like old old part of town or something, then it can be like, we are going to propose a building for five stories, but it needs to take in context, the surroundings and everything. Then we can come in with a regulation proposal for facade materials, colors, yeah. the, all those things. So that's a little bit tricky. The public sometimes don't understand that full process. And that's a challenge upon us who work with the uh, zoning and detailed development plans that we need to be able to explain that. What is possible to comment on? What is possible to change? What, uh, what is outside of it? Sometimes uh, you have a project going on and you get, oh yeah, and then the park next to here to it, here it's like, it's not working here. It's like a lot of, broken um, broken uh, benches or something. Then it's like, thank you for that, but we can send that through to the unit within the municipality who yeah. is responsible for the parks. It's another like, section taking care exactly. of this. It's not like, it's not that the zoning plan will solve it, but it's like, we still, because that this is the opportunity when the public often meets the municipality in a way, often through like a physical project coming in. So that's the, like a big factor in all this too, that we get a lot of opinions about things that doesn't have to do with the plan, but we can take it in and we can send it through to the other sections of the municipality organization. And which comments do you listen to and, and work on? I would say like as many as possible, but it's like if you have comments saying that we don't want this house here, it's like, thank you. We've heard, <laughs> we, we, we've yeah. heard your opinion, but we can't fulfill it. Uh, also, in this further process, you can appeal the municipal approval of the plan. And that's, that's one step of it, because after the public hearing in the first phase, um, you go in to revise the project, you can have like, maybe the um, city museum have had an opinion about it, that okay, you should maybe adapt a little bit, okay, we can do changes and all that. 
um, and you get a lot of those type of informations, uh, you can change it. But then like the people who have let in opinions that haven't been like, what do you say, appeased, like yeah. you, you work with them, um, they have the right to appeal the final uh, um, deci- decision by the policy politicians to approve the plan. And then you have a legal process yeah. of the appeal process in that. But also during these two public hearings, during Samrod and Kranskning, you have also like the county, uh, like which is the administrative unit above municipalities in Sweden uh. that come in and they have from their perspective, for example, they often uh, look at the quality of uh, rainwater because the quality of uh, water surfaces and lakes and rivers in Sweden and groundwater is on their, their responsibility. So they often have an l- extra look on that. Depending also how the geology is in the area, they can also look like if you have uh, the high risk of sulfides in ground or not. You need to do geological surveys and everything. So they, they come in with that type. They also are like a little bit super higher up in the hierarchy of planning that they can also appeal a political decision by a municipality to approve a plan. Okay. Because if they feel like, okay, the municipality haven't looked at this and this and this, they can in turn. Uh, so, so basically they can stop they can try to, but then there can be a legal process. They can either totally just uh, overturn the decision by the municipality, but that in, in a turn can often lead that the municipality will want to appeal that overturn, and then it's like, I mean, it's like a very loop forward, back and forth yeah. in courts, an environmental court who handles these cases. So that's about the phase. When it also when it comes to the phases of planning, it can be how long time does it take is often a question you get. How, how fast can we have this done? I mean, I have, I have my record, if I may say record, uh, in the sense of short term is, short time is nine months from starting to having a, a plan finally. That's really uh, quick uh, in that's Sweden. A, that's quick, but that was also circum- specific circumstances. It was in a lot of neighbors in the area. It was like the county was in on it and like we have talked and communicated with them. They were ready when we came with the documents to them. So it was a very lean process. Yeah, good flow. Yeah. Sometimes it can take two years. It can take three years. I have some projects that are like six years old. Wow. There's like long story because it's like, oh, you shouldn't do this. And then we want to try to develop it and like change and like maybe not the best. So it all varies. But I would say around two years. Yeah. It's quite a long time, no? It is. Uh, I wish. Um, it depends so much because it can be from different factors. Sometimes it can be, I mean, some part in this in the mu- is the municipal administration that, I mean, if the politicians are going to take a decision before we go out on a public hearing, they need to have the documents a month, a month and a half in advance, and then we need to have a back, back cast all that yeah. time plan to make it happen. Uh, sometimes it's just um, investigations that needs to be done. Oh, we need to have a survey about, is it like salamanders or frogs in the area? And you, have, mm. you can't do that survey in the winter. They're not, they're sleeping. Like you need to dormant. wait, yeah. yeah. so we need to wait for the spring and stuff like that. So it's yeah. like a lot of different factors that can affect the time frame on it. Yeah. But tell me when you get the opinions from the people, how do you work on them? Like, do you send it, do you, do you fix things by yourself or do you send to the architects? Let's talk about these comments. It, it depends on all of what, it, what the type is. Because as you work with the project, you get to know the project very well. So you, you, you like, we, we always put them together in a public document where you like list all the, uh, m- opinions that come in and you give them a, an answer sometimes depending on how the product is if uh, i've have been working in projects where like people have just signed an automatic like protest list and be like I'm <laughs> then you can group them together but yeah often when you try to this this person has this type of opinion and this is how we write a draft 
as a consultant, uh, I often take those uh, drafts and like bounce it with the municipality and contact there, you know, like, because it's the municipality's decision is not my opinion. Yeah. So I need to like approve, like, do they approve how we have formulated the answers? But we try to work with everything and we try to make it happen within the frame of the project. It's like, but if the opinions are like, we don't want this, we want to overrule it. It's like, I'm sorry, you can't overrule it now. You can't appeal it. You, 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 you have to wait for that. We hear your opinion. We understand you don't like it. Thank you for making your voice heard, but we can't appease what you're saying. Mm. That's not within our limits. Yeah, yeah. So after that, you go to Ranskning and what's happening there? That's, uh, th- that phase is a little bit like the first phase, but you revise the project. Maybe, maybe you alter, maybe it's like you change the design of the building, maybe you change the location, because maybe if you had some opinions about this is not good towards, uh, maybe you're next to a big highway. Okay, out of risk assessment, we can't have this. We need to have uh, exits on the other side of the building. You need to make changes mm. like that. You revise it, um, and then you put it out for the public once again. Again, okay. Yeah. Um, and that's also a check to be for like to see that the county let in their opinions in the first public hearing and they then you can show in the second that okay we worked with your opinions we have an answer to them sometimes it's uh, that the municipality can think that maybe the county has a wrong perspective on one thing or another and argue for their case and Mm. stuff like that but that's often how it works And, and you find like now we have a final product and also, here it differs between municipalities. Some municipal- municipalities don't want to go out on a public first hearing unless they feel like they have a proposal that they feel like this is what we can build. That also means that the project is often very finished in early stages. Yeah, it's fixed. Yeah, al- almost like it feels like it's already decided. Mm. And that's a challenge for the public in that sense that they see it and it looks very finished. It's like, oh, wow, it's going to be like this. I don't like it. I feel sometimes that you could have developed that in the sense that, for example, with the zoning plan, often people see the architecture, the specific style of the building, and they have opinions about that. Often we don't regulate that in the plan. It's free. It's like an, it's an architect's freedom to design their house. We asked in the zoning plan, actually, we regulate the volume, which within you can build the house yeah. or building. Sometimes we have extra regulations, but that's often like how it is. We do like a white cube. Sometimes I would like to have a public hearing about like just the white cubes and be like, this is the volume. Just to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. This is the scale. Okay. Can we feel that this scale is okay? And then in the next phase, you go in and okay, here we have more details about exactly. And this is what we want to do. Of course, it's a challenge to do these things because then it's like very vague in the beginning and then the, maybe the property owner doesn't feel like uh, sure that, oh, will this be approved or not? So it's, it's a challenge there all, all the time. Every project is unique. Mm. What can you regulate in the detailed plan? We can re- regulate a lot. Um, we follow guidelines from Boverket, uh, the Swedish agency. What is it? National Board of Housing and Planning or something like that, I feel like. It's their English title. Um, they have guidelines on what we can regulate. Here it's interesting, it's guidelines. We're not actually mandated to exactly follow. So it's just, just recommendation, right? There's a type of recommendations uh, on how to do this uh, and like to, to use which colors to do. And Because in Sweden we use different colors for different type of usage, main usage. If you have, you have yellow for housing, you have red for schools, uh, you have blue for industry or office, it's like to, to make it visually different. Yeah. 
Um, but we can, so we can regulate the usage. We can regulate the height. Previously, we were advised to regulate by the level of stories on a building. Today, it's more just the building height. The total. The total height. Um, we can regulate facade materials, as I said before, bef- depending on the purpose. Uh, we can r- regulate a lot. I've seen zoning plans that are extremely meticulous and details. It depends on what you want. Sometimes you just want to have the cube. Yeah. It's just a square. Here you can do what you want. Sometimes you have a very specific idea. And then if the architects present a specific idea, we want to have this type of roofs and want to have it like this intricate type of architecture, then you can actually tailor the zoning plan to be adapting to that. You can also pres- uh, put in uh, regulations if, if, as a one project I'm working with right now, where we have an existing building, it's here in Stockholm, and they want to add an extra wing to it uh, with offices, and there is cinema in this original building. Cinemas of today in Corona time are not the best, but there are cultural preservation values connected to that uh, cinema. So we have regulations proposed in that zoning plan to preserve that cinema. Maybe not as a cinema, but the space of it yeah. for future use. So that's the, like, uh, then we can go in with those type of very fine, detailed regulations. Here in this case, the property owner is, ver- is very well aware of it and wants to have it. They see it as a value, and that's really positive. Sometimes it can be a challenge if you're sitting with a project where from a museum or a cultural uh, museum of the municipality says something, we should preserve this, and the property owner is like, oh, I don't want to. Okay. At the same time, it's the p- municipality who decides. So it's like, if the politicians want to do it, they can do it. So it's also, yes, not what the private property owner always wants. It's like, mm. they need to work hand in hand. Yeah, what happened if the landowner not following, actually, the, the, the plan? Well, the next step after the zoning plan is approved, um, you need to be able to build there. You need to apply for a building permit. And then you need to send in drawings and everything to the, bu- to the um, building permit division of the municipality. And they will look on the zoning plan. So if you, if you like have something, oh, I want to build this, and it's like, it doesn't fit. No, you can't do that. Sometimes you can do like a little bit like adjustments. You, you don't need to always, make, you can do which is like, okay, you're not allowed to have this type of cupola on the roof, but okay, you can do it. And it's like, you can be in yeah. those adjustments sometimes, but often it's like, you should follow the zoning plan and, and be very strict like that. Also, we like regulate where on the property you're allowed to build. It's, it's also one of these, if you're not allowed to build your house, house here in your property, but you can do it over in that other yeah. end of it. So that's a part that we also regulate. And how is it going now when we have so many mixed use? How, how, how do you do that? Well, that, that's a challenge because you can combine usage. Uh, um, I've done zoning plans where you have offices and you have um, shopping and you have housing in the same use. What happens is that you put letter combinations for these in Swedish. It, for housing, B, bostader, the letter B, you can combine that with B and then a C. C is for city center usage. Um, and that can be either stores or meeting uh, cafes or offices. So you can combine it in that sense. And then often there is like an index number. B, it can be like a B1, C2, and then you can read in the legend of the plan, okay, C2 means uh, food store. And then it can be very detailed saying just food store, or it can say just store. So it's like, but at the same time, we don't want to be too regulated. Yeah, because then you, you how to say, 
you kill the creativity or the future scenarios. Yeah, and that's this is this is one of the big challenges with with zoning, as I feel it. It's that most many people today want to have flexible plans, and oh, we want to have it flexible. But oh, this should be like we should have possibility to do many things. But is that? But how is it flexible? Some think that it's flexible by we are allowing just give us a lot of height so we can build high and we can oh we will not use it all. But then when they come finally build in it send in a building permit, it can be like totally maxed out. At the same time, some flexibility that you can combine many different types of uses and that's fully possible to do. Mm. The challenge is that when we do a zoning plan in Sweden, when it is a, approved and it becomes law, binding by law and be like valid for a surface, this surface it covers, it is valid until it is cancelled in the future, meaning that you today have zoning plans in Sweden that is like old city plans from 1850 that are still viable to use. And those are working. So it's like we try to make the zoning plans flexible and everything, but it's like, yeah, so when we do it, we, don't, we can't just only think about what the present property owner wants. We also need to, need to a little bit future-wise think about, okay, wait, if you think away this property owner, what can this be in the future? Like try to take away that and just see the long-term perspective of it can be a challenge. So, so, so you make a lot of scenarios. Well, we try to think about it and be like, okay, try to like think about what is like present right here, right now and have a long-term perspective because we also know what happens when you finally build a building. If you have a building that you in your zoning plan says that, oh, you can have, you can have both either apartments or uh, stores on the bottom floor that means that maybe you have a higher ceiling height on the bottom floor to be, make that possible. But if it turns in, if it is built as apartments from the start, it is almost impossible to ever convert it to a store again. It is possible to build it as a store in the beginning and later convert it to an, an, a, an apartment. But the other way around is often not because then someone is owning it. Why should I sell or give up my, house, my apartment, my mm, home? Mm. For, so it's very tricky in that sense yeah. that when it comes to flexibility. Is it easy to change it? Or who, who can change it? A landowner can always send in an application to change the zoning plan. Um, then it is, what also happens when you do a zoning plan, you give it a legit, uh, like, um, how do you call it? Genomferentitid. That's like, it's valid. It's like, it's like enforced within either 5, 10, or 15 years. Within those, the valid years of it, you, you're not allowed to change it. But after those years have passed, then you can come in and make a new plan. Some, I mean, it's even regulated in law that you're only allowed to change a, a plan which have this time still running um, if, if very certain conditions. Either all the property owners within it, within the zoning plans area, need to approve that they want to change it, or there is something big, unknown, yeah. that have come up, whatever it is. I'm working with one project for another mun- municipality that has that challenge right now, and it's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> Carl, tell me about the social aspect of. Do you deal with that, or you just deal with the with the form and the physical? No, we deal with it. But as the detailed development plan is for the physical form, it's mostly that that we that you see it. You see the plan. You see the map, the drawing of it. But we work with the social aspect of it too. And more and more um, municipalities in Sweden are working with it and try to highlight it because with every zoning plan, we you have the plan by itself the nice colors and everything and yeah. the geographical location. And you also have like a description of it, plan beskrivning, the planning and the, the detailed development plan description. 
And in that document, which you are intended to read the map and that document together, you talk about the social aspects. What happens, for example, with uh, outdoor space, for example, if we do a larger area or we do t- something tiny. Like the social aspects can be in that sense be like, in this district of town, we have a lot of privately owned home. We need more rental apartments. Thus, this project is good because this is a, a landlord who uses, um, who, who has rental apartments. The trick though is, what happens if that changes in the future? Yeah. We don't control that. So social aspects is really tricky to do in the zoning plans tool. I feel often that those questions are more on, an, on a higher up level mm-hmm. in, in municipalities work. When you work with public spaces and where people meet and so on, I often think about cities as if you take away people from them, they're nothing. Just a construct. Yeah. Buildings, structures, nothing. The city life the vibrancy, like where we meet, that's all in us humans. And no matter how much we can zone and try to do that, it's always up to us people to use it. If we don't use the space, not vibrant, there's nothing there. It's like, okay, what happened? So we try to work in many aspects with the social questions also to be like, what can we do? How can we do this? More and more municipalities do assessment of like, how is the social impact of this project? Some look like, okay, there's this situation today. Here we have something, we lack these values. Okay, if we do this project, maybe we can add values that counter the negative of that. So we take away and add positive values. Okay, here is a rundown old, uh, un- people perceive this area as unsafe. I'm, I don't dare to walk around here in the dark by myself. Okay, we do the project, we have more lighting, more safer walkways in the sense of that. Because what is important here is that every person experiences the outdoors very differently. And I, me as myself, I see it in one way means that my wife doesn't see it the same way, maybe, or my brother sees it the same way. So it's very like, how do we see that? How can we work with those things mm-hmm. to make, give everybody a possibility to have a good life? When you, when you look at the plan or when you start to zone, do you feel that, okay, this is going to be really li- livable? I mean, we, if it is a, Housing project, yeah. <laughs> no, but it's like, it's so many different factors because it, it weighs in like, okay, what if we have public space in this project? How can we work with that public space? Can we work with it? interesting initiatives maybe? Maybe there is local, local communities working here already. Okay, we may need to make sure that they're not just pushed out. We don't want to gentrify it, you know, like, oh, here we come do something new and we just erase all the values yeah. that are there already. Um, it's really a balance there because it's really hard when you see you have something ongoing in an area and then something new comes in and what happens to it. Often it's the large scale processes and the mm. large scale building projects that comes in and that can shift the atmosphere totally. Yeah. So it's like, I feel like it's really important to work like with what is the present values here? How, how can we do this? What can, how can, what can we add to these values? To, to empower it, yeah. Exactly. And I saw, I had a question about you mentioned that people comes when uh, the proposal is kind of done. Mm. Is there a possibility to have people already in the beginning, like in the very, very early? It is. Uh, I, I see that. I have that as a personal strive in a way, but it's also very challenging because you work towards politicians and every municipality have the routine. But I do believe that it could be made with the present regulations we have in Sweden, make the process more open in, in the beginning, have it more inclusive, more in having a better platform for what do we want in the future. Yes, municipalities have their master plans and that scale, but in between there, there's a big gap. And there, I think you can work with a more 
larger communities there is, like, okay, the politicians have said that we're going to build 20,000 housing in this area you're living in. Let's have a talk about how we can do that in the best way. Yeah. What is important for you? If you start in that phase, you can be like, okay, we, we see people here who live here value these aspects. And at the same time, for them to understand that, okay, we can't just say no to the new housing. They are coming and let's do it the best way possible. Exactly. I think you can work a lot with that, but it's, it's a challenge because at the same time on the other side of our project, it's like, oh, it takes so long time. Mm. Please make it faster. It's like, because people often see the challenges, see this, the planning process in Sweden as the biggest obstacle. I feel like sometimes maybe it's the, uh, the big building companies who have that perception yeah. maybe because they want to get their projects done. I understand that. I understand they have that, that perspective. But at the same time, the planning process in Sweden is also about democracy. It's about letting people making their voices heard. How did they want it? How can we work with that? So I see a possibility here to work with the zoning plans in a way more, instead of having like politicians giving us a, 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 a task to make a project and it should be this, they can have, they could change it. You can work, co-work way more easy, uh, more early like you said to have that input like okay this is how the community feels about this this is what we feel mm. like this is about then you can get like i think more people at peace with that changes are coming and they can also feel inclusive uh, included in it be like we're a part of this we are doing this together exactly they are part of the story already from the beginning exactly and i also think that's important say with um, out of social uh, segregation and how to include and make people be allowed to understand like you have the right to give your voice in this um sweden has challenges in that sense that we have people coming to sweden out of many different reasons and they are welcome here and I, in that sense it's great but how can we make them understand how the swedish system works i mean it's one thing yeah you need to understand if you have kids how does the school system work in sweden everything but then we have this type of structure with zoning and everything that is people are not maybe so common about that they are allowed to be part of it. And if we don't educate and inform and have that clear information, like you're allowed to be part of this, we can do this together. Yes, we can't fulfill your exact detailed dream, but you can be part of it. Yeah, Make them understand. Like, I think that's a big challenge. And that doesn't only apply actually to people coming, moving to Sweden from different countries all over the world, immigrants of any type. It's to people living in Sweden too. Because there's tons of people who grew up in Sweden, had like moved maybe to Sweden ages ago, grandparents, whatever, or have their roots here all the way back. They don't understand the system all the time because it's such like a municipal tool that you don't always come in contact with. Mm. Mostly you come in contact to, to it when something's happening next door on like, oh, to your house or yeah, something. Yeah. Then you get in contact with that. But who is responsible to, to make the, the system clear? I would say that's up to politicians and municipalities. There is a big, great co-work between the political side of it and the bureaucratic side of it, where we who work, I've been working for municipalities before, before I became a consultant, and how we could do that and how we could have um, more open dialogue and communication. And I worked up, Many years ago, where I started working in Skellefteå, up in northern Sweden, was an amazing job because it was a smaller municipality, but you also got a lot of responsibility on yourself. Yeah. And there we had a lot of dialogue and interesting communication about how to do with the city center and everything, like how can we develop this and improve the city. And we had an empty store 
down on the city street that was like, let's take that, use it, and have like a public exhibition here and talk about it and have people come in. And we had small uh, afternoon, evening talks with polit- politicians, with cultural people, like a lot of different yeah. perspective of that that you can add in to include people. And people came and left. I remember so well that one time there, a person came in and this person was so angry with us because we said, let's make Skellefteå even better. Okay. And this person was like, how can you say that? It's not even good now. Uh, you know, like was really yeah, upset yeah, that, yeah, oh, yeah. you dare to say that Skellefteå is good now? But we were like, and then after a while the person said, wait, I can see my house because we had a big photo on the wall over the entire city and everything. Like, oh yeah, wh- where do you live? And we started talking about, oh yeah, here's this and here's that. And like, and that person walked away not being angry anymore yeah. and instead had came, come with a lot of interesting ideas about how, what can we do? And that's the challenge, I think. Often people, I feel like, they come like, often you hear the naysayers, like people, you don't hear the people who say, oh, I like this, but maybe you can change it in a better way. So I think there is the big key winning. Like mm. if we can initiate the communication early, include people, you can have this, aha, uh-huh, people like this. Okay, with this space, this can be something we can preserve in this project and, or we can alter it, add some tweaks mm. to it, make it even better. You can do that early on and in that sense, make it more included and more uh, like welcome in the community. Do, do you see municipalities in Sweden are willing to be more open to include more people in the beginning? I see that, but it's also a challenge. I mean, we are 290 municipalities in Sweden. It's, it's big. It's so different. I, I, I try to keep in contact with colleagues all over the country in, in different ways, but it is a challenge. And, and I think it's also a task for the bureaucratic part, us planners, the experts in this field, to talk with the politicians and have, have them to let go. Um, let them be like, relax. You, it's okay to open up because sometimes they, they might feel uncertain to open up like Pandora's box if something, ooh, what if we leave, leave the word open and like every, people can think anything, you know? But it's like, it's a balancer. I think we could gain a lot about that. As a planner, what is your absolutely biggest challenge today? Oh my God. Biggest challenge today <laughs> as a planner is um, trying to have time to finalize all my projects. No. <laughs> no, I would, beside that, uh, I'm luckily very occupied right now by work, but beside that, it's, I would say that the biggest challenge in general for the entire planning community is to make our voices heard. We as planners are not so often heard in the, di- in the discussion, in the broader discussion in society. It's often politicians. Uh, sometimes it's um, private companies. But we as a profession, we don't, we're not so loud in this. That's why I love this podcast. It's Thank so, you. It's so good to have a platform where you can talk about it and have a more deeper discussion. And, and it's all about like spreading the word, spreading information, be open-minded. That's some of the challenges. Because the challenge is also like people are press, pressing us like, oh, it needs to go faster. And you can hear that in the national political debate sometimes that, oh, now uh, the, the government have initiated a new, um, like, uh, to see if we can speed up the planning process a little bit. It's like, yeah, but is that the big question here? Or is it actually how we can make it more democratic? How can we make sure that this system, this tool we have, which is the, the, the detailed development plan, that tool, how can we make that more democratic? How can we make that more inclusive? I would feel like that's where I feel like we should be more discussing. The, yeah. 
instead of talking about the speed of the process. Yeah, oh, we need to do this within year, yeah. within one year. It can't take one and a half year. No, but the values that we gain in that extra half year mm. can be so valuable for the project, actually, yeah. instead of just make it fast. Yeah. So for you, more the quality or the inclusiveness rather than the, the time of the project being yes. done. Yes, because as, as I said before, also, like when you finally build something, it's built. It's not like we tear it down and build something new in 20 years. Some parts of the world, they might do that, but yeah. not here. We, okay. uh, I mean, in Sweden, we have a very, we have a very sound philosophical way about like we keep things that that are good i mean and i mean it's sound it works we have old old houses in many many cities in sweden that's still standing there mm. they've been maintained they work uh no need to tear them down and in that sense because what we're building today will be here in 100 years probably yeah let's not plan something and build something today that we then in within 50 years feel like oh that's wrong that's really because then out of a s- sustainability perspective is it true waste of mm-hmm. resources exactly but as a planner, we work behind the scenes, backstage, and the face always the, the municipality with the people. Yeah. Do you feel there is a gap between you as a planner and the government or the municipality? No, I would say that that's very up to each municipality. Uh, I know that I work for some municipalities right now where I am the municipality. The 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 they give you all the they control. Give, they give me all the control. I have. I mean, we're uh, we're in, uh, have a signed contract. I have to follow their guidelines and everything, and that's fine. And when I'm communicating with neighbors, I am the municipality. I had a talk with a with a neighbor to a project today, and I am the municipality in that sense. They are aware that I'm a consultant, for example, but I am the municipality. So I feel that that's very good. And then it's a different role. Sometimes you have that full mandate. Sometimes you're more like a supplier to the municipal planner who like who doesn't have time to make everything but they have a person leading the project and you're more like an assistant to that one and that's also fine what i wish maybe is that we had more of these talks deeper talks and discussions sometimes i had a pretty good meeting like that this morning when i was connected to to a unit meeting with the municipality and and we talked about how to regulate balconies on facades Mm. okay how should we do this how could we do just a very open discussion and that's it's important. It's not often that we consultants are part in those discussions, but yeah. I think it's good to be that because everybody learn, everyone learns in those discussions. Back and, and exchanging forth. as exactly. well. Exactly. Yeah, it's a, always a transfer of knowledge back and forth and, and nobody knows everything. Exactly. And uh, as you know, I was waiting so much for this episode to, that we record. <laughs> I know we're supposed to record this, I think, uh, five months ago, something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, because in this podcast, I explore what is a smart city together with my guest. And yeah. so I was waiting so much to hear from you. How do you define a smart city? Oh, that's... It's, it's a big question. It's I, a very big question. I would say, I mean, the smart city is, for me, the easy city where you can have a convenient, easy life. Um, I especially noticed that since becoming a parent. Like, how do I have an easy life? We decided to get... An e- I decided to get an e-bike and since then I've been biking around my kids all over town and having a smart city is like how is that convenient you know, how, how is that way of communication around in the city works works absolutely fantastic here in Stockholm because you're never late that's a good thing with biking by the way <laughs> you control the speed yourself yeah. never get stuck in traffic but the smart city is like how, how do we use the, the modern technology also to include people in different types of processes. Like, for example, with modern technology, you can have in your smartphone 
as of today you can go out you can maybe look at a zone a, a building project somewhere like a proposed building project inside you can use that through an app you can open like there's many technological advantages there that you can do the, the challenge here is also like if you have those type of platforms that are open that we talked about before early process someone needs to administrate them right? yeah. so you have that that eats up resources too and in this world municipalities are not carving gold everywhere so they have they have you have limited budgets how can they work but like how can we use our common resources in best possible way mm. a smart city is also a sustainable city i feel like that's a big perspective where we can do so many improvements both in sweden and other countries to to do i want to see that easy is it talk about like the 15 minute town yeah where you can move around like how do you have that easy life in a very in a, as much sustainable way as possible when you when you say easy in the beginning you mentioned easy what do you mean is it that it's accessible when for you when you're walking or what is easy for you yes i would say yeah thank you for asking it's good to clarify that the easy life is like yeah it's easy for me to commute maybe it's easy for me it's not like i have a direct route with a bike i don't need to go on a big detour maybe um there are safe uh, walkways uh, for kids Play, the playgrounds are uh, well man- maintained and challenging for the kids and and you have also an ease i would say that a more social diverse society around you is very good because that opens up your minds i mean it's people from different creeds and everywhere is like yes be together in the same space use the space together see each other um that's also a part in that way like easy that you, you don't shield yourself from your surroundings you can do that in small town, small villages out on a rural countryside i understand it but in a bigger city no i mean yeah. here we live together do you feel that uh, as how you define smart city do you feel stockholm on the way to this smart city oh i do um i feel it here i feel it in many other cities too um but i would say that a challenge with stockholm is maybe the size um now it's been six months i haven't used public transport for six months wow um we stopped that was the good advantage of being bikers before corona because oh corona we just continue to bike it's fine uh, we actually had our preschool then here close to where we're sitting right now doing this interview and i biked every day so it's like one hour back and forth to just drop the kids now we have changed shifted preschool to one closer to our home but i see in, in that sense that aside i do feel stockholm is on the way to become more smarter i think also that stockholm and this is a little bit tricky stockholm is a big city Stockholm consists of many municipalities. Every municipality is acting a little bit differently. <laughs> so I, when I say Stockholm, I can also mean your Stockholm municipality, which is my, the, the most central core of Stockholm. Yeah, Stockholm city. Stockholm city. And then you also have Stockholm, the bigger urban context. And I see like improvements happening on how we're con- interconnecting the city more diverse, not just into the city center of Stockholm city and then out, but like you create other hubs where you have access to different services and experiences instead of just needing to go into town. Yeah. Of course there is in a city of the size of Stockholm, the capital where you have yeah, you have the opera. You only have one opera really. You only have uh, like um some specific things in one location. But there's also possibility to spread out a lot of things. I can see you can see that in like how often uh, companies relocate their businesses they don't need to have their head office downtown in stockholm anymore first and foremost it's very expensive square meter price down yeah. there but they can also do it in another spot in town and what happens then with the patterns how do people move around mm. and all that how do you do the detailed planning smarter 
like from your position? Oh, from my position, I would say it is to advocate this inclusiveness that we talked about a little bit, how, how to make it more open in the early stages. That's sadly not on my table to decide alone. <laughs> but I, I would do that. Also use digital tools in different ways. I usually, when I do a zoning plan nowadays, I, I take the map, I sit in AutoCAD and draw it up and you have the map and it's geographically located in the right spot in Sweden according to the reference system and everything. Then I extract that and put it in on the pad I have. And then I actually go around and look in the space where I am out and I see on the pad, uh, you see, I mean, your, your location, I see yeah. my spot on the map yeah. and the pad and I say, okay, exactly here is the street going to come as we've drawn it. And then you can go and experience it right away. So you see, so that's the way how to, I feel like it's working smarter. You take the modern tools we have and improve the process you're mm. working with. That's very interesting. I would love to join you in the one of your... Yeah, you can do that. The- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you go back in time by yeah. a time machine and you're allowed to change one thing in our cities, what will you change? Oh my God. Yeah, that's a tricky question. What do I change? Do I change anything at all? I mean, I don't know. Um, more... More diverse population spread out over the city and not that would be more interesting and, and not letting the people with financial strength to have the best spots. Um, we don't have social housing in Sweden in that sense. We've worked with different other tools to handle people in more dire financial situations. Maybe, maybe social housing would have been good in Sweden because then you would have a bigger, inc- bigger spread per se in a way in downtown areas, whereas other like very segregated financially, socioeconomically today. That's something I would have thought about really and maybe made possible. Yeah. And if you travel to the future and you can add one thing to all the cities, what will you add? Oh. Good public transport. Um, my, my wife is from the United States and I've seen car-based cities there. That's the, the, the real the, 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 the real horrific side of planning as I see it sometimes. Yeah. But no, but I, I've seen that. I've also seen good examples there. But I would have like the backbone of a good public transport system. Uh, radio, not only going into city centers, but also the radio, radio links, mm. like, the wheel, like how we connect. I remember I studied in Milan for a semester at university, made an exchange program. Politecnico di Milano. Si? Welcome to the club. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I liked the radial uh, tram lines and bus lines that they had go around. around because, yeah. yeah, because you didn't need to go into downtown to change. You could just take the, the, the ring line and be an easy, convenient travel way in that sense. And, and like how to give people the easy possibility to move around without owning a car. That's like what well, we're talking today about making cars more environmentally friendly. They still use the same space even if it is an electric car or a non-electric car. It doesn't matter, yeah. No, so, and I would like to see, like, gladly decrease the number of cars in favor of public space where we can meet and see each other. I remember, you, you remind me now when I studied in Milan as well, when I saw the map, this is the first thing I do when I go to a country I, or a city, I see the map, I'm like, oh, wow, what is this? Then when I went to Moscow, they have also the metro that's just go around. It's, it's so good. Yeah. No, it's so good. It, it is. It is. I also have a tendency to save maps or cities I visit. I have a yeah. drawer back home in a cabinet full of old maps. Yeah. No, but it is interesting. And, and 
also on how you look on cities and how you walk around the cities. I remember before I studied, I never looked around. I always looked at the ground floor. You know, you look in stores and stuff. And, and that's I, it, yeah. And then you start to study and like you raise your view and you like see buildings and how to start to interact. It's like... And I guess now when you got children, you go down to the city at eye level for kids. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That's a totally different story. And yeah. then it's also <laughs> about air quality and traffic yeah. and pollution and the sound. It was like so many factors. Yeah. But uh, apart from planning and cities, what are your hobbies? What do you do? Oh, I would say I'm f- taking a lot of photographs. Um, before I became a parent, I took a, f- a lot of photographs of cities and different things. I have different themes I s- stuck to, always photographing out of airplanes when traveling. Okay. Uh, then I became a parent. Thus, most of the pictures are of my kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, so it's like it's, it's, it's changed a little bit, but I tried to always bring the camera. I don't only want to use the smartphone camera that I have in my pocket, but I have a bigger camera that I've used. I've done it for many years. I, I love to try to take it in and, and also then to develop the pictures, have them printed out, not just only have them on the screen. It's a challenge, of course, to, to in today's digital world when we take pictures all the time. It's, um, it's a challenge, but I try to, because like, seize the moment right there. What did we do right here at this spot? Yeah. And, but th- and that's one thing, but otherwise I, I love to read. Uh, I love to read about history. A lot of history, I feel like it's very important to yeah. understand our history. To Right now, I'm waiting a delivery of books about Polish history. Wow, interesting. Because I've been like, when I grew up, Poland was the East Bloc. It was like not a neighbor. We had Germany. Uh, since Politecnico time and the language course in Perugia, I had a lot of Polish friends. Opened up my minds even more. And I want to know about that, their history. And they are like, as I said, a very central part of Europe. And... So I, I, I'm uh, looking forward to those books to understand. That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, I just wanted to say thank you so much again for being here. And I would love to have you in the more episode as well in the future. Yes, give me a call. Make it happen. Great. So how would you like to summarize what we talked about in three takeaway messages to all the listeners? Oh, three takeaway messages. Let's see here. Uh, zoning system in Sweden is big, but I feel like it works. That's the first one. It, it works. Um, we can do it better without changing the law if we want to. And being more inclusive early is a key factor to make the planning process more democratic, sustainable. Awesome. Are you good in hashtags? Ooh. Because I need three hashtags as well. You need three hashtags. My God. <laughs> hashtags. Hashtag urban planning. Hashtag social life. Hashtag cities. Well, that's good, actually. You're good in the hashtag thing. <laughs> <laughs> I blame it on Twitter. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the next step for you? Next step for me, um, well, I will bike home to my baby with my kids right now, uh, but um, trying to land, um, I have some big projects coming up, uh, some challenges in those that I need to work with and we need to feel like find a good way forward. Some, some are very easy, some are very complicated. It's like the fun diversity of working with planning that you don't never really know what type of project you have. Some are like very small and complicated, some are big projects are very big and non-complicated or vice versa. So finalize some projects and uh, working with a strategic plan for a municipality here in Stockholm um, for a city district. And we're going to finish that by mid-October. Cool. Good luck with all the projects. Thank you. So see you around. 
Definitely. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. So thank you so much for listening to Urbanistica podcast season number two. I hope you enjoyed the episode, learned something new and got inspired by the guest. And also please don't forget to share the episode with your friends, colleagues and people you think they are interested in Urbanistica topic. Follow on Instagram account. You will see the stories behind the scenes before and after every episode we record in the podcast. And also don't forget to subscribe the YouTube channel to see the live talks and also to see the vlogs. If you have any feedback or you want to suggest a new topic or nominate a new guest, you can just reach out and write me. You can find me everywhere, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and also my email. So feel free to write me and share your thoughts with me. Thank you so much again for listening. I am Mustafa Sharif. Keep up the good work. Keep loving cities.